Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pochmancier. I can't believe we're already on chapter seven. This thing is just moving right along. I am really excited about uh, how this has been going. I've been getting some great feedback from all of you. So let's dive right in with Pochmancier, chapter seven. Pochmancier, a novel by Strangely Duesberg, read by the author. Chapter seven, Blades and cups. A giggling trio, so recent of the pub, stumbles through the front door of Kells's apartment. Martin is attempting to finish a complicated story about a lost book, later found in his refrigerator. Happy as he is, the fact that his companions are scarce listening does not seem to bother him in the slightest. Kells resides in a Spartan pair of small rooms. The initial, slightly larger one, serves as kitchen, sitting room, and dining room. A door, painted red, presumably leads to the washroom and bedroom. A couch and a brace of armchairs sit in something approximating the normal fashion. A record player is balanced on a stack of crates, all packed with records. To one side is a small bookcase, stuffed a bit too full, much to Martin's constant disapproval. The contents, however, are, in his mind, unassailably tasteful. In the kitchen huddle a stove, sink, and refrigerator, all a bit too small, as if pilfered from the woodland home of some elfin creature. Martin sinks into an armchair, almost in unison with Kells's fall upon the couch. The manner of her landing seems to indicate that she may never rise again. After a moment of hesitation, Eleanor sits down on the remaining armchair. Martin stares at the ceiling, admiring the fine collection of cracks, which always seems to be different every time he visits. Eleanor sinks back into the chair and, with effort, relaxes. Her hands begin making their way around her jacket, as is their wont. From the depths of the couch's cushions, Kells mumbles, Take off your coats and stay a while, her voice a wispy parody of a grandmother's concern. Martin rises, heavy, and removes his coat. He hangs it next to Kells's on one of the pegs near the door. The apartment is full of pegs and nails to hang everything. Coats, shoes, pots, pans, even, off to one side, what appears to be three chainsaws. These last draw a curious stare from Eleanor as she rises. Martin notes her interest and crooks a finger at Kells. Juggler. Eleanor nods, then turns to Kells. I I'm sorry, I would take off the coat, it's just... I don't do it often in other people's houses, and I'm worried it might be a bit, um... Her voice trails off. Quick as lightning, Kells is on her feet, frog-marching Eleanor toward the red door and into the bathroom beyond. Well then, you'll just have to take a bath. Goodness knows, you've been on the road how long? Let's get you cleaned up. Do you have pajamas? You do? Good. Kells kicks the taps in an expert way, and soon hot water is filling the tub. She opens the bathroom cabinet and removes a corked bottle of wine and a teacup. These she places on the small desk-like tray over the tub. Kells's delight in playing host is infectious, and soon Eleanor is nodding as the small juggler points things out to her. Kells pats a large fluffy bathrobe hanging on the back of the washroom door. Help yourself to that. It's clean, and there's towels underneath it. I grabbed your suitcase. I'll just set it here. Let me know if you need anything else. Enjoy your soak. With a little wink, Kells is gone and off into the main room again. Eleanor can just make out the sounds of her ordering Martin to play a record while she makes something to eat. 
Eleanor removes her coat and holds it up, examining it with a practiced eye. Some patches are needed, here and there. She fiddles with a little catch inside the coat, activating a system of trusses and wires, and sets the coat down where it holds its shape as if filled by an invisible person. Stiff and sore, she removes the rest of her clothes, wrinkling her nose at her own smells. She finds herself embarrassed at her accumulation of road grime. When was her last bath? She leaves the clothes in a pile on the floor. There is nothing for it. Tomorrow is a laundry day. The bath is delicious. The temperature perfect and the tub is deep. Already quite merry, she can't resist pouring a little wine into the teacup and taking a sip. From the other room, music begins to play. Something old, melancholy. Eleanor sighs and holds her nose to slide under the water, giving the music a murky quality. Though she'd much like to stay in the bath forever, Eleanor is soon back out, the lure of new friends too enticing. After she pulls on her ridiculous, a bit too large flannel pajamas, she exits out into the main room. She feels cleaner and wholer than she has in ages. Martin is absorbed in a book he has pulled off of Kells' shelf, though something in his manner seems to indicate it's a sham. He swivels his oddly independent eye at her and raises an eyebrow, but otherwise does not look up. Eleanor moves into the kitchen, soft as a cat, sliding up behind Kells, who is devoting a tremendous amount of focus to a sizzling pan of bacon. She is rewarded with a scream when she puts her hands over the cook's eyes and says, in a decent imitation of a basso voice, Guess who? Dinner is sandwiches of bacon, lettuce, and tomatoes. To these they add a strange sharp cheese which Martin has brought, produced from somewhere in his tweed jacket. This he unwraps with reverence, and no small bit of flourish from the wax paper and cloth protecting it. Eleanor finds herself wondering where he was hiding it. She prides herself on being able to spot a large object in another's clothing, but this cheese evaded her. She catches his eye and mimes applauding. He blushes. After the meal, Martin insists on doing the washing up and commands Kells and Eleanor to relax on the couch. When he finishes, he doesn't interrupt their conversation, just settles into one of the armchairs. This time, he holds his paperback copy of Mrs. Dalloway, produced from somewhere. First the cheese, and now the book. Eleanor makes a mental note to ask him how he concealed them. Though an expert at hiding things in pockets, she'd not have been able to say precisely how he carried the items. I won't bother to recount their entire conversation here. You've doubtless had one like it. Perhaps the first night you talked to your best friend at length, or when you met someone you care about. Martin soon dozes off, the hours slipping away as they talk, sitting close together on the couch as the records spin on and on. Kells and Eleanor find that they have much more in common than just their chosen professions. Neither feels able to live without wine. Cheese might as well be air, and dancing is water. Both have a particular disdain for human statues, though Eleanor confesses she did enjoy one. This was an ethereal woman in a confection of white fabric and lace, covered in lights and spinning a white hoop. Kells has also seen this statue, albeit on a different continent, though the more they speak of it, the more they become certain it is the same one. The hour grows late. With gentle mischief, Kells holds a tiny cup of coffee under Martin's nose. He comes to life as if swimming upward through a deep well full of icy water. Mumbling about buying the damn flowers himself, 
Martin sips the coffee. While he puts on his coat, he grumbles about his aching joints like an old codger. Eleanor and Kells stifle giggles. Though something in Martin's manner lets them know the display is for their benefit. He fishes in his pocket and pulls out a card, which he leaves on the little table by the door. After a bow dripping with exaggerated formality, he departs. Kells and Eleanor, having stood to bid Martin farewell, now mill about in self-conscious silence. Eleanor realizes with chagrin that she has not asked permission to spend the night, a great faux pas in the world of traveling folk. Kells sees this at once and pats her arm to reassure her. Don't be silly. You're staying here. Are you sleepy? A bit. Eleanor is overwhelmed at the kindness of her host. She feels her eyes begin to water. It has been too long since she's been so pampered. To change the subject, she turns and indicates the wall covered with various objects in groups of three. There are large knives, plastic clubs, a trio of rubber geese, and yes, three chainsaws. You juggle? Yes. I've made a couple runs at the world record for time with chainsaws. That's why I've got those special ones with the handles welded on. They can still cut a tree down, though. I haven't made it yet, but I keep trying. Do you? Eleanor considers this for a moment, and then replies, her tone careful, guarded. I can. I don't like to, though. I can't seem to figure out how to do it without it seeming forced. Kells laughs. What? You mean because it's such an unnatural thing for a person to be doing? Unlike, say, pulling random stuff out of your pockets? Eleanor feigns a look of shocked offense. She storms over to her coat, now standing free near the pegs by the door. Quick as lightning, she pulls out a small pistol, points it at Kells, and pulls the trigger. A tiny yellow flag pops out. The word bang is written on it in bright red letters. Kells laughs still harder, even as she mimes being shot. The juggler crumples in exaggerated slow motion, one sly eye still on Eleanor. For her part, Eleanor suddenly dissolves into tremendous and deep regret. She dashes toward Kells, mimicking her dilated speed. Kells slows down, as does Eleanor. Just as their hands meet, they both freeze, a tragicomic tableau. They stay like this for an instant, and then fall about in a fit of giggles. When the laughter dies down, they find themselves sitting close together in the middle of the room. The silence between them is easy. Kells smiles and gets up, pulls a book off her shelf, and settles into the couch to read. Eleanor follows suit, pulling out a slim volume that she purchased earlier from Martin. Eleanor is awoken about an hour later by a gentle touch on the side of her face. She has fallen asleep on Kells's shoulder. The juggler is smiling. She whispers, Hey you, I'm ready to go to sleep. I can either get you some blankets and make up the couch, or you can share my bed if you like. Sharing would be nice. Eleanor stretches, cat-like. She yawns again. Sorry, I fell asleep. I guess I was a lot wearier than I thought. Eleanor seems to realize something. Does sharing come with snuggling? If you like. Lead on, but I'm warning you. There's another gun where the last one came from. I'll try to keep that in mind. Sometime thereafter, Slice happens by the bedroom window. Intent upon some errand, it pauses to look at the pair of humans there, pressed close together in the curious fashion they occasionally sleep in. Slice considers screaming at them for no reason other than to make them jump, but the cat is distracted by a faint skittering noise somewhere far off and below. Once, such a sound would indicate possible dinner, 
It now only makes the cat feel nervous. Perhaps there will be some raw flesh behind the fishmongers. It feels a safer course. Slicey ops, a quiet noise, like a coughing insect. With one last glance at the humans, it whispers away along the ledge and across the power lines. Unbeknownst to the cat, Eleanor has been watching it through hooded eyes. The mangy spy now gone, she opens her eyes all the way. Eleanor stares out at the grayish-white clouds, illuminated by the city lights below. Beside her, Kells reaches out a hand and grabs Eleanor's arm, wrapping it around herself as she snuggles closer. The tiny juggler is dead to the world and asleep so deep it strains credulity. Eleanor feels the need to run, to climb out of the bed and pat away into the night, like the cat. Instead, she gives in to her exhaustion and falls into a deep and dreamless sleep. Thank you, as always, for listening to the latest chapter of my little story. I can't begin to communicate how excited I am to have begun to receive feedback from all of you listeners about this show. I, you know, spent years working on this story sort of in a vacuum, you know, just kind of writing and sharing it with a few friends, but not in the much more public sort of feedback way that I would with my songwriting or my stage performance. So it's, it's really exciting to get to, you know, open this up to the rest of the world and kind of share it. So please keep that feedback coming. Even if you don't like something about it, I would love to hear from you because that is almost more helpful than than the adoration. Although, not gonna lie, love the adoration. It's super exciting and fun to hear from people who are just really enjoying the story. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at I am Strangely. I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangely. But really, I wanna tell you all to go to www.strangelyandfriends.com for my main website and from there you can find links to my Bandcamp and my Patreon and everything like that. My Patreon is one of the main ways that uh, people who like my art can help support it. So go have a look-see at that. I just released a new music video last week and I'm really, really excited about it. It's the kind of thing that uh, I hope I can share more of as time goes on. Uh, that's about it for this week, so I will see you all next week for Chapter 8, in which dubious goods are traded and a man loses his soul. And then fall about in a fit of giggles. And then fall about in a fit of giggles. And then fall about in a fit of giggles. 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 They stay like this for an instant and then fall about in a fit of giggles. They stay like this for an instant and then fall about in a fit of giggles. They stay like this for an instant and then fall about in a fit of giggles. They stay like this for an instant and then fall about in a fit of giggles. A fit <laughs> Oh, good lord. Oh, keep it together, keep it together. Uh.